Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back. So, this is not a regular episode. This is not a regular episode. I just want to give a disclaimer out before I even start. This is not a regular episode. This is uh, this is me tapping in really quickly. We'll see how quick it is, because I, I do have a lot to talk about after a big, big weekend. And if I would, I would advise you guys, this is a quick reaction of what happened this weekend. Um, Saturday and Sunday, we had some big games in college football and within the NFL. There was a lot of upsets as well in, in the NFL. Both, I mean, really, honestly, college football and NFL. So a lot to really get into, but I want to talk about three particular games that I have really circled and that I talk about that I talked about on my uh on the latest episode that I dropped on Saturday. Um and I kind of gave I I I would say not to pat myself on the back. I had a pretty good weekend with uh with predicting a lot of these upsets and outcomes and results. But I want to start with um oh, once again, this is your humble highly favorite host, Isaiah Kip, Isaiah Kip podcast. It may not be a regular episode, but <laughs> I still got to do my same intro, but I want to start with Bills Chiefs. Um really brief cuz I I, I want to save a little bit of, I want to have a little bit of content for um for my for my next episode later this week uh and discussing my top 10 list but i i just thought after such a great weekend of great games um cbs oh my gosh they had a, a huge weekend they had the alabama and tennessee game and then sunday at four o'clock they had the bills chiefs game so cbs had a i know cbs had a crazy week um but let's start with the bills and chiefs and it's funny we were all expecting like uh, a high scoring affair between Mahomes, Josh Allen, Chiefs, Bills. Look at the offenses. We're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a fireworks show. Um, we we we're gonna see a lot of scoring, a lot of points, a lot of excitement on offense. Well, actually, the you know the defense came comes to play. And how many times have we seen that? Like how many times we were expecting like a high scoring game, a high scoring affair. We got two great quarterbacks, but then the defenses, they hear that all week. The defensive coordinators, they it's almost like a challenge. So the defense, both defenses for the most part really came to play and that was the case. Uh the Bills obviously won 24 to 20, but I think I'm not going to like I'm not going to overreact. I know this is a big game. I know a lot of people look at these two teams, including myself, as the best two teams, the class of the AFC. But it's it, let's keep it all in perspective. It's a week six game in the middle of October. You don't win nothing in October. Nothing is really proven in October. I'm sure both teams will tell you that like they would much rather win the game that they may have to win versus each other in January to decide who, you know, Who's gonna play for the? Who's gonna represent the AFC in the suit? Like they would much rather win that game, but I think overall, the Bills are the better team. I think overall the Bills are the better team. I think you look at um, <clears throat> you look at both sides of the ball, offense, defense, in the trenches, offensive line play, defensive line play. I think the Bills are the better team, so I think the better team won. And I told you guys, I. T- I thought even last year the Bills were the better team. I thought they were the more I thought they did more they were the more complete team. And I think that I think that even more now. Um now with Mahomes, and if you look at the box score, it's funny. 
because I think I think the Bills are the better team, and I think most people would probably say the Bills are the better team. That you like, you give them the edge on paper. But you look at the box score, a lot of the like there, a lot of the like a lot of the stats were close. Total yards, passing yards, yards per play, first downs, time possession, like a lot of those important crucial stats that we look at. Um, they were really close, and some of it really it really favored Kansas City. But it, but once again, I speak. I stand on what I said on my previous episode, where I I basically say, "Hey, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football," and I still stand by that. And I think the Bills are the better team, but I think Mahomes and Andy Reid and that offense, I think they're so good that it kind of it makes up for the gap. In, in you know, with the Bills being the better team, Mahomes and Andy Reid now they make up for the gap. They make up for the gap. So you look at Mahomes, <clears throat> um, Josh Josh Allen didn't have his best game, especially in the first first quarter, really. The first half, um, he didn't have his best game. He's missing some easy, some some pretty easy throws. But I think it's clear the league is so quarterback centric. And like it's it's a league of the have and has nots. It you either have a guy. Or you don't. You, you, I mean, like you either have a guy or you don't. And obviously, the Bills, Chiefs, that both teams, they have it. They have guys. They have dudes. They have dudes in Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I think clearly, they have. They're talented. Obviously, uh, I would. Most people, some people, probably say Josh Allen's a little bit more physically gifted, which I think he is. Um, just looking at certain instances, like. He's definitely more physically gifted, but both quarterbacks are clearly on different levels from the rest of the league. And I say I, I say that with the utmost respect with to a lot to a lot of great quarterbacks because there's a lot of great quarterback play in the NFL right now. I mean, we have Tom, obviously Joe Burrow, Justin Hurt, like some great talents. But I think right now, in the midst of what Allen and Mahomes is doing, I think they are clearly the best. And these two talents have really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. I thought it's it's interesting because in games like this, I always think something occurs where we didn't expect. And with the Bills running game, the Bills, they found some remnants of a running attack in rushing attack to keep Mahomes in that offense on the fi- or, or, off the field, I thought that was I thought that that was a real that was a sight for sore eyes to see Buffalo actually have some type of effectiveness running the football even outside of Josh Allen. That was a sight for sore eyes. Um, and it's really these teams. I, I know I said Buffalo is the better team. I think they're the more complete team. But hell, what do I know? I. I if these teams were to play each other ten more times, they probably split. Both teams, each team probably split. <laughs> Literally, that's how that's how close I think it is. So Buffalo, like I said, Buffalo last two years in in Arrowhead, like they had a lead with thirteen seconds left, and then we all know what happened in in last year's playoff game, and then this year they beat Kansas City at home at Arrowhead. So. You look at, I don't think there's really much that separate these teams. I don't. 
I think Buffalo right now is a little bit better. I think they're a little bit more complete, but there's not much that separates these two teams. And like I said, I can watch these teams play every day, all day. I can watch these teams play every day, all day with the quarterback talents, with the coaching, with even some of the talent on defense. I can really watch these teams play all day, every day. And I think if they play another 10 more times, it don't matter if it's at Buffalo or Kansas City or a neutral site game, whatever. They are, Both teams are probably split. Both teams are probably split. I think that's what it is. So um, that's my thoughts. I don't want to give – I don't want to go too much in depth because I'm trying to save a little bit for uh, the next episode later this week. But I think that's what it is. I think both – my takeaways is Buffalo found a running game. It was a sight for sore eyes to see Buffalo actually run the football effectively and also win a close game. Like, it was good to see Josh Allen win a close game, pull out a close game, and actually propel propel the Bills to victory. And then both of these talents at quarterback, both of these guys at quarterback, they're, they're clearly the best, too. I don't think it's no more, like, debating. They're clearly the two best quarterbacks in football. Um and one of these two guys are probably going to win MVP. Okay, so <clears throat> let's shift gears uh, to college football. As on my previous, like I said, I think it would help if you want to, because I'm, I'm going to I'm going to often refer to my previous episode that I just dropped, my latest episode that I just dropped. So if it would help, if you want to pause, you want to pause this episode. <laughs> if you want to pause this episode, and go back and listen to my latest episode that I dropped, the one before this, I would advise you to do so. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. So I talked about three marquee matchups in college football, and I talked about Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, USC, and Utah. Um, I thought there was upset potential in all three of them. Michigan physically handled and dominated Penn State for three and a half hours for the most part. That's that. Like, offensive line, um, their defense, Michigan's defense literally gave up 10 points. Um, and they were, they were, like, they, they, there were a couple plays where Penn State, they had made, that made the game a little bit closer at halftime. But in the second half, it was just, it was just another thorough, complete domination for Michigan. Okay, let's get to Bama and Tennessee. Let's get the Bama and Tennessee and USC and Utah. Bama and Tennessee, 52-49 finish. Classic game. Probably one of the best college football games I've seen. Great quarterback play from both teams. Obviously, there was some bad, there was some bad officiating at times. Both teams got some bad calls, I would say. Um, plays were made. Certain plays weren't made, I would say. But the thing is with Tennessee, because Tennessee is a rebuild, they're rebuilding, they have a re- they're in a, like a, a rebuilding mode, right? And they are ahead of schedule. Tennessee is very much ahead of schedule. And when I look at this Tennessee volunteer team, I see a team where they – I knew they would present a lot of problems with Alabama's defense. I thought Hayden Hooker, first looking at what 
Quinn Ewers did with Texas in the in the first in the you know in the snaps that he did play, he exploited Alabama a little bit more so in the passing game. Their pass defense was exploited, and time and time again, you think about Alabama's losses. Most of their losses come come to they come towards like really really good quarterback play, like pro caliber quarterback play, and. For the for, for the first quarter that Quinn Ewers played in versus Alabama, he was making some pro he was making some NFL some Sunday type throws, and then Hayden Hooker. I looked at this Tennessee offense. I looked at Hayden Hooker came into the game ten touchdowns, zero interceptions. They had the second best op, second ranked offense in, in, the, in the country behind Ohio State. They were second in the country in explosive plays behind Ohio State, and I was like, you know, this Bama team. They have really, really struggled, especially their secondary. They have really, really struggled. I see this as a bad matchup, and it wouldn't surprise me if Tennessee came away with the upset. Well, I'd be damned. Tennessee won. Tennessee won an instant classic. And Hayden Hooker's performance was massive. Hayden Hooker's performance was absolutely massive. You can't make this type of stuff up. Great performance from Hayden Hooker. I mean, it was a it's a it's a performance that it does two things. It puts him firmly in the Heisman Trophy race. I don't know who else like we. I mean, I know Ohio State fans will probably have something to say about C.J. Stroud. I know Alabama fans will have, probably have to say something about Bryce Young. I know some people out west will probably have to say some things about Caleb Williams. But Hayden Hooker firmly. I don't know if he's leading the race. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the logistics of that. But it puts him firmly in the Heisman Trophy race. And then also, it ups his status as an NFL prospect. A lot of the throws that he was making down the field and some like some of some of the throws he was making, those were those were NFL pro level Sunday throws. Those look like throws that quarterbacks make on sun or that quarterbacks make on Sundays. So when I so I look at Hayden Hooker's performance, absolutely big, absolutely big, and this and this and this Tennessee offense as a whole, five hundred and sixty yards, five hundred and sixty-seven yards of offense, and it begs you, you know I know a lot of people want to know if you know is Tennessee legit? Are they legit contenders? And I'm gonna get into that, but. I think this was an instant, just an instant classic. And then I look on the other side with Bama. 17 penalties. Bama's defense was really, really undisciplined. Um, but we saw, we saw, but I knew this, and this is why I thought Tennessee had a really good chance at upsetting Alabama. Um, because I saw the tendencies at, with, with Alabama of undisciplinedness. And being a big grabby, their DBs can be a big grabby at times. I saw it. I saw it. I saw the tendency of that versus Texas. So 17, 17 penalties, just an absolute mess. They gave up 52 points. I, When you look at Alabama and Bryce Young, he's a joy to watch. Um, the running back Gibbs, he's an – he's. I mean, he's probably their most – Outside of Bryce Young, he's their most electrifying and explosive offensive weapon that they have. 
Um, he reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara where he can just do a lot with running the football and then catching out of the backfield. He makes up for a lot of Alabama's offense. But when I look at their defense, Alabama's defense, I thought was going to be the thing that propelled them over the top this year. But their defense has, I think, on in some tough spots, have constantly held them back. But let me get to Tennessee. We're gonna. I'm a, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about Tennessee and all, if they're legit title contenders, and then I'm gonna move to Bama and so forth. So after Tennessee beats Alabama, this begs the question: Are they legit contenders? Now I think Tennessee. They're great. They they at a offensively, they're playing at a championship level. Like offensively, if you're asking me. Are they good enough to win a championship offensively? Yes. Because I, I wish they were a little bit more balanced in terms of their rushing attack. But if you're asking me offensively, the way they're playing, the way how Hayden Hooker's playing, the way his offense looks, are they good enough to win a championship? Yes. But on the flip side, if we're asking are they legit contenders, I have to look at the defensive side of the football. And when I look at the defensive side of the football, they leave a lot to be desired. Now, this is not me saying, hey, Tennessee, they shouldn't be, um, they should definitely move up in the rankings, and they will. Um, I think they should probably be ranked number two. They're they're they would be not, they would be my number two team after this big time win over Alabama. But they leave a lot to be desired on defense. So that question of are they legit contenders, you got to ask yourself, is their defense good enough? Because if I look at it, there are they are Tennessee currently. They are they're ranked 104th in total defense in the country. And then their pass defense is even worse. They're ranked 129th in pass defense in the country. If you're asking me, is that is that defense good enough to win a championship? No. No, they're not. They're just not. They're simply not good enough to win a championship um, with that defense. Can it improve? Maybe. Uh, how much can it improve? But I think throughout the past few years in college football, we have seen this similar similar looking formula where high octane explosive offense defense leaves a lot to be desired. We've seen it with Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma teams, led by Baker Mayfield, led by Kyler Mary, led by Jalen Hurts, where offensively they do a lot that you love. And offensively, can't many compete with them. But defensively, they leave a lot to be desired. Even with Ohio State over the past few years, Ohio State, Hasn't been that great defensively. Ryan Day is an offensive-minded guy. Ryan Day is brilliant offensively. There's not a lot of people that can keep up with Ryan Day offensively that I'm putting in the same class as Ryan Day offensively in college football. Ryan Day is in that same class offensively in terms of an offensive mind. He's in that same class with Lincoln Riley and Steve Sarkeesian, um, Lane Kiffin as great offensive minds. But defensively, last few years at Ohio State, this is why they have fell short a couple of times because defensively, 
they haven't been they haven't been as good. And I think if we if I'm looking back at the past few years and trying to remember what's what, what year was Ohio State's defense the best, it would probably have to be Chase Young's last year, 2019. That's when their defense, that's when I thought their defense was good enough to win a championship. But other than that, throughout the past few years, Ohio State themselves, they haven't had great defenses. Even the year they got to the national championship over um they got to the national championship versus Alabama, their defense wasn't good enough to stop Alabama with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle. Their defense wasn't good enough to stop those guys. So we have seen and now USC. USC has a similar similar looking formula where offense, they they're second to none. Top five offense. They have a like USC. These teams, USC, Tennessee, they have top, they are top five in offensive categories, and their skill positions don't really get much better in the country. But defense, they leave a lot to be, they leave a lot to be desired. And I'm gonna get to USC. So when judging and looking at um looking at Tennessee and trying to figure out, because this is their road now. You Tennessee has to be Georgia. They have to beat Georgia to represent the SEC East in the SEC championship game. And then they will most likely, presumably, presumably, they would have to play Alabama again. They would have to beat Alabama again. So you ask yourself, can Tennessee go 2-0 versus Georgia and Alabama? They got to beat Alabama again. And by the way, that's going to be a neutral site game. So I think I I think it's a it's a lot it's a lot to really take in and digest. But if you're asking me today, is Tennessee a legit contender? I do I do think they can contend, but is their defense good enough for them to win a championship this year? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They are not good enough for. <coughs> excuse me. They are not good enough defensively to win a championship. Sorry, got thirsty. Um, and now, on the flip side, when I look at Alabama, they lost, right? And like I said, they were very undisciplined. Their defense looks a mess. And I would even talk. To, I was. I would even speak on their offense. Bryce Young and Gibbs and the running back Gibbs. They're 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 they that that Alabama. Offense, they rely heavily on Bryce Young and Gibbs. Outside of that, there's not, there's not so, that's not Alabama. They don't have the explosiveness on the outside on the perimeter like they had a few years ago. When they had all those, remember they had all those first round receivers: Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Waddle, Devontae. They don't have that. They don't have that. Not this year. They don't have that. They're 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 heavily reliant upon Bryce Young and the running back Gibbs. Now, ask yourself: in the three games that we have watched, that we've seen Alabama struggle, ask yourself what what has had to happen in order for these things to happen. Like it took Quinn Ewers having a superb first quarter versus Alabama, right? It it then Tech versus Texas A&M. 
Bryce Young didn't even play. So a lot of people a lot of people point to Alabama struggling versus Texas A&M, but as you can see, Bryce Young being on the field is very crucial for Alabama. So that's that. He didn't even play versus Texas A&M. And then Tennessee, it took a it took a Superman like performance in order from Hayden Hooker in order for Tennessee to win just by 3 points. Narrowly by 3 points. So you you combine and you add up the context of what it's taking to beat Alabama or what it's taking for Alabama to struggle, it's a lot. And like I said, they lost. And I know a lot of people, like, you know, I'm not I'm like I'm not surprised that Alabama lost because I predicted it. I said coming into it, coming into this game, that Tennessee would be a bad matchup, but they Alabama still controlled their own destiny. Alabama still controls their own destiny to get to the SEC championship game, to get to the college football playoff, and to get to the national championship game. They still control their own destiny. Now, I'm not saying they are they're 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 not they they're you know they're the best team in the country. No, certainly not. Not saying that at all. But it, Alabama's not going nowhere. They're not going nowhere, and they still control their own destiny. Because if you look at it. Alabama, they uh, I don't think they're gonna lose to Ole Miss because I don't think Ole Miss have the caliber of quarterback play that a Texas with Quinn Ewers has or that Tennessee has with Hayden Hooker. I don't think, I, although I think Ole Miss can present similar looking problems that Tennessee and Texas presented offensively for Alabama, but I think ultimately Alabama they'll beat Ole Miss because I don't think I don't think the quarterback is that good. I don't think he's as good as a Hayden Hooker or a Quinn Ewers. So I think ultimately Alabama, they get over the top and they, 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 I think they'll win out up into the SEC championship game. And then we have to see, does Tennessee beat Georgia or does Georgia beat Tennessee? And then we have Georgia, Alabama in the SEC championship game or Tennessee, Alabama. But Alabama can still run the table. They can get to the SEC championship game. They can still finish as SEC champions. And then in the college football playoff. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. They're in the college football playoff. As simple as that. So when I look at, um, when I see people all like Alabama fall off and they're, they're, they're co- like, no, no, no. Alabama still controls their own destiny. They can literally win out. Alabama can literally win out. They can win their remaining schedule. They can, be, they can, they can win all the games in their remaining schedule. They can get to the SEC championship game in Atlanta and win that. And then they're in the college football playoff. <laughs> and then we're having this whole discussion about Alabama in the college football playoff. So that's that. Let me shift gears. Let's um because I'm 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 almost approaching the 30-minute mark. Um I'm gonna definitely go over 30 minutes. <laughs> this is gonna be quick, but I'm gonna um let's shift gears to USC and Utah. Yeah, let's yes, let's do that. So that, that those are my thoughts for Tennessee and Alabama. USC and Utah. This is another upset that I predicted. And if you look at the uh if you look at the line, the odds, USC was an underdog. They weren't favorites in this game. And I I, I understand why. Um I thought it was a tall task. So let me let me let me backtrack. 
prior to the college football season even starting, I pointed out three possible games that USC could lose that I thought I looked at. I looked at USC's roster. I kind of forecasted that they would have this play style under Lincoln Rally. And I thought their defense was still in question. So I pointed out, I circled three games that I thought were possible losses for USC. One of those games was Utah. Another one of those games was UCLA. And another one of those games was Notre Dame. Now, the Notre Dame game, I don't think that's going to be a loss for USC. I think USC is going to win that game. The Utah game, obviously, they lost. I told you guys on my previous episode that I talked about. I talked about USC, and I talked about how I thought this was a bad matchup for USC. But then UCLA, UCLA might be one of the more complete teams in college football. So that's why I thought USC, looking at Utah and UCLA, they're really good. And Utah, Utah's a really good program. Utah, I think, is they are an underrated program. And granted, they have two losses, but I think Utah have um, – I think they have – I think they're probably the best two loss team in college football by far. I think if I'm judge, I think they're probably the best two loss team in college football. Now, I'm not surprised that USC lost this game. Uh, and I will say this USC, another, this is Lincoln Riley's first year. USC is totally ahead of schedule. They're totally ahead of schedule. USC is totally ahead of schedule. They are. Offensively, they 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 are potent. They are as good as it gets offensively. They have the goods. Defensively is where I questioned. And I pointed it out on my previous episode. I said, hey, you look at certain stats and certain numbers defensively for USC. You look at their number, you look at some, you like, oh, they lead the country in sacks. They lead the country in picks. You're like, oh, they got a pretty good defense. But no. USC, and this speaks to how good Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams is offensively, because USC, I think out of any out of any team in the country, they have done the best job at masking and hiding their weaknesses. And their biggest weakness was their run defense. Their biggest weakness was their run defense. Granted, Utah ran the football pretty well, but. In, in the grand scheme of things, Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, he threw for over 400 yards. So the run defense, they gave, I think they gave about 140 yards rushing. But it was the pass, it was the passing game that really did it versus USC. Like Utah really, really had, they were really effective through the air. So I don't know, I don't know how to really give that to myself, but granted, they gave up 140 rushing yards. But ultimately, Cam Rising on his arm beat USC. His arm put Utah over the top versus USC. So, I re- coming into this game, I really struggled with the idea of USC beating Utah, especially at Utah. Um, but they forced Cam, like I said, they forced Cam Rising to throw for four hundred yards, and. I think Kyle Winningham, I think he's one of the best. I think he's one of the best underrated coaches in college football because all he does with this Utah program is win. He wins a lot of ball games. And it doesn't get it doesn't get talked about a lot. 
but I like the I like the decision of him going for two after that game after that game tying touchdown. I like that he went for two and he went for the win because he understands he understood what was on the other side of the what was on the other side of the field. That was Caleb Williams and that offense that Utah could not stop. So great performance from both quarterbacks, um, Cam Rising and Caleb Williams. But ultimately, I thought USC's defense, which is their weakness, um, and they have done a they have done a damn good job at masking their weaknesses. But it de- it it definitely was exploited. It was exploited, and as I said. Utah, I thought they would be effective with running the football and also time possession. Utah also won time possession. Those were the two things. Obviously, there were some calls. There were some turnovers. But I think looking at the overall grand scheme of things, Utah controlled and won the aspects of the game that I thought they would win. That would ultimately lead to them beating USC. So I don't know how you I don't know if you classify that as an upset because Utah they were favorite coming into the game, but USC was ranked higher. So I don't know I, I don't know I don't know how you rank that at, or rate that as a as an upset. I don't know because according to Vegas, Utah did what they had to do, but USC is ranked higher. But USC is probably only ranked higher because Utah has two losses. So. And that goes to show you, that goes to show you how good UCLA is <laughs> because Utah lost, U- UCLA put the beat down on Utah, and this was a close game, and USC, they play a close game with Utah. This just goes to show you how good UCLA is. UCLA is really, really good. They're not. They're, they're just now starting to get a little bit more, they're getting a little bit more national attention. But this shows you how good UCLA is with Chip Kelly. I'm telling you, UCLA is going to be another tough game, another tough matchup for USC. And USC, and I'm going to look at the grand scheme um, of the the Pac-12. We got four teams that could possibly win the Pac-12. Utah, Oregon, USC, and UCLA. Next week, or this upcoming weekend, UCLA plays Oregon. So that's a really big, that's a massive game for a lot of ramifications within the Pac-12 because who, there's no divisions in the Pac-12 this year. So the winner of the UCLA and Oregon game, they really put themselves in really good position um to play for the for the Pac-12 championship. They put it they're putting themselves in really good position to play for the Pac-12 championship. So we pay attention to the winner of that game who I think it's probably going to be UCLA. I would probably pick UCLA to win that game versus Oregon. But USC, in terms of USC, they're fine. They only got one loss. They can still win the Pac-12. They would just have to they would have to beat UCLA, obviously. Um that would help. And then uh whoever they would play, whoever they would play in the Pac-12 championship game. And I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to have a a playoff team. I think if they were to have a playoff team, it would it would it would do college football. It would do it would do a huge benefit. Um, college football would be, they would benefit hugely from having 
a LA market in in the college football playoff. They would that would that would be huge, I think. Either UCLA or USC. That would do college football wonders with having an LA market. USC is the more notable name. Like they're the more they're the more noticeable noticeable name and brand, and they have the noticeable players and coach. But Chip Kelly has a lot of he has a, he has a good reputation around the country, and UCLA is also in the LA market. And I would also beg I would also say that UCLA is is a more complete team. So I think they would they would, I don't know if they would favor better in the college football playoff. I don't know, but I think USA I think UCLA is a more complete team. But I'm gonna wrap this up because I'm I'm starting to get a little um long into it. But I just thought I'd give you guys my quick reactions or my reaction to uh the big weekend of upsets, I would say. Um within the NFL. Obviously, there was a lot of upsets in the NFL, but talking about Bills Chiefs and then talking about college football with Tennessee and Alabama and USC and Utah. Without further ado, I I catch you guys later in the week. Uh, I'll give you guys my episode. Um, you know. The, the the usual content but without uh without without do i think i think that's about it so i won't hold you guys any longer always remember two choices one decision i'm out peace gone